Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into the Scout and the Sports page. I'm the host, Paige Demacos, here with NFL Scout Gary Horton. And my oh my, it's another overreaction Monday. And this is what we do on Mondays. We overreact. We talk about your 10 observations from the games over the over the weekend. And we did have some continued sloppy play. But what was your overall uh, theme of week two from, from what you saw? Well, I, I think you just hit it on the head, Paige, uh, the sloppy play, I mean, we see really good teams still playing like it's the preseason, and that keeps bad teams in the game and probably gives them a false sense of security. So I keep I keep waiting for the play to, to really get good, and hopefully this week will be better than last week. But uh, there were some good things to see also. Uh, some Some really good players rebounded from bad week one performances. But I think it all started for me uh, with Houston and Cincinnati on Thursday night. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, and we'll they, get in that. That's your that's your first takeaway. And Cincinnati becomes the first team to start off with two home games and not score a touchdown. Uh, when you look at offensively, how many how many guys they have? A talented guy like AJ Green, their backfield. I mean, they have Tyler Eifert, A.J. Green, Andy Dalton. I mean, the pieces are there, so it's very confusing to watch that team and a Houston team that's now relying on their rookie quarterback to step in and be the guy a lot earlier than they were expecting. So what is your observation from that game? Yeah, and when, when you watch them on film page, you know, their offensive line is a mess. That's always been a strength for them. Uh, Dalton really looks skittish in the pocket. He's playing with no confidence. It seems like he's afraid to throw the ball deep and make a, uh, a mistake, so it goes to a lot of check downs, and it becomes an easy game or a, an easy offense to defend. And then I don't get what they're doing at the running back situation. Joe Mixon is their most talented guy, but he's not getting a lot of carries. The play calling has no flow. I know they change coordinators, but I don't think that's enough uh, you know, to, to fix it. And now they've got to go to Green Bay and face a very unhappy uh, Packers team. So I think we're easily maybe looking at an 0-3 start and a very unhappy fan base. Now Houston, on the other hand, you know, I, I think they have some things to be excited about. They've got a young quarterback. They're going to have to live with his mistakes. This is a guy who will do some boneheaded things, but then he'll make a big play with his legs. And I'm sure it frustrates Bill O'Brien because he can't run his his full playbook with Deshaun Watson. He has to dummy things down. But I think we'll continue to see bootlegs, rollouts, half-field reads, uh, play it safe, and count on your defense to win games. So if I'm a Houston fan, I like the direction we're going. I don't think we're going to be dynamic, 
But that defense and Watson's legs, I think, gives them a chance to be hopeful for the future. Yeah, a win is a win at the end of the day, and they they go on the road on Thursday night and get a victory, have a couple of extra days to prepare for their next matchup. And Deshaun Watson's going to get better as the time goes along, and I think, like you said, uh, how good of a coach is Bill O'Brien? We're going to find out how he can dummy his system down with Deshaun Watson and, and see what he does with Watson as a quarterback and, and his improvement as he goes forward. The second observation here, uh, two teams that we thought were going to have a offensive kind of back and forth. Um, didn't really see that from the New England Saints game, uh, the New England-New Orleans game. New Orleans didn't bounce back in the way that I thought that they would. Um, and I, if they're going to bounce back, it was going to be at home. And I knew that New England was, was going to come in and play well. But the Saints, I think, have some major issues. And I know that that is part of what you saw as well. Well, I really liked their defense in the preseason. And in game one, I said, all right, they're, they're, they're going to be okay, I think. But in game two against Tom Brady, it's the same old defense we've seen. And now I'm beginning to think that they don't have a, an easy way to make fixes. I mean, this, this pass defense has given up 777 passing yards in two weeks. And what really bothers you, Paige, is they're losing one-on-one battles. They're having coverage breakdowns. Uh, they have penalties on interception, potential interceptions. They have no ability to cover pick plays, which the, the Patriots love to run. And they get bad matchups that they can't get out of. So these are all schematic things along with personnel things that I think is going to be a real problem. Offensively, they're always going to be okay, although I worry about their run game. Now, I know Brady was great early, and it forced them to play from behind, but 45 passes and 17 runs versus the Pats is probably not a, a, a good uh, way to, to win a, a game. And then the other thing that really bothers me, where is this home field advantage that used to be so great for the Saints? It seems like the last couple of years, the Superdome has no built-in advantage for them. And now I think they're a team that's uh, in big trouble unless Breeze has a great day and can overcome all of their other weaknesses. Yeah, it seems like this team's going to be looking for an overhaul here sooner rather than later and going to be looking for a rebrand because Sean Payton and Drew Breeze have been tied together for such a long time. But how long does that Super Bowl that they won quite a quite a while ago give Sean Payton a leash for this team to not be very good? And I just don't see this team going anywhere. They they have a lot of they have a lot of struggles. And like you said, you bring in Adrian Peterson, you have Mark Ingram, you have Alvin Kumara, and you're not running the football. I know that hasn't been their identity, but you kind of got to change your identity and you got to be able to to switch things up. And it doesn't doesn't seem like they're going to be willing to do that, especially when Sean Payton comes out and says. We didn't bring Adrian Peterson here to be Adrian Peterson in Minnesota. Seems like that would be news to AP. Yeah, maybe they should have told him that before he signed with them. Yeah, I uh, I think that that's very apparent that that, is, that that is going to be an issue going forward, and I will be interesting to see if there's any other backs that go down throughout the season and if a trade somehow goes goes through because I definitely know Adrian Peterson not very happy there in New Orleans. Uh, the, the next, and I, and, I, and I think, Paige, to be just one other point, I think Adrian Peterson, as time goes on, if he's not getting the ball, 
he'll publicly voice his displeasure oh, yeah. as a way to get out of there. Oh, yeah. So this thing could could blow up a little bit. Yeah, I think it, yeah, already game one you saw them getting into it on the sidelines and yeah. uh, never a good thing. He's an NFL veteran. He's a guy who's been around for a long time, and you could definitely tell he is not afraid to say what he wants. He's been very vocal in the past when he wanted to get out of Minnesota, so I think it would be the same thing for New Orleans. Next observation here, a team that defensively – Uh, We both liked, uh, but the question mark here was Joe Flacco and his health. He did some things offensively that made me look at him and go, okay, Joe might be back a little bit um, because he did have that back injury that was serious, but the Ravens, they're a pretty good football team right now. Yeah, they really are, and and even though they're not exciting to watch and they don't have a lot of sizzle, the more I see see them on film, the more I love – on how committed they are to their philosophy. Uh, you know, they've teased us with, with telling us for years we want to run the ball better, but they never have done it. They always get away from it when they don't have success. But this year, they're sticking with it. How about 32 rushes last weekend, only 34 passes. That's offensive balance. 33 minutes time of possession to, con- to control the flow of the game. No big offensive mistakes to give the other team the ball. And then you go to their defense. You know, their defense is dominating. They know exactly who they are. Created five Cleveland turnovers, three sacks, ten quarterback hits, and they have ten takeaways, Paige, in two games. And I think a lot of things that they're doing that people don't realize, their man coverage right now is so good it forces the opposing quarterback to hold on to the football, and that allows that pass rusher pressure to uh, to get to the quarterback. So I think even though, again, it's not sexy, the combination of great defense, run the football, control the clock, play smart on offense, is going to give them a lot of wins, and it's going to keep them in most games. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what this team is down the road if they make the playoffs. If any team has to come play them at home, it's always a good it's always good to see what Baltimore brings to the table for home games. So I'm very interested in this team yeah, going and, forward. And their game plan in January is going to be a tough one to beat. Yep, I I'm, really think so. I 100% am with you. All right, will the real Jacksonville Jaguars please stand up? This team is very confusing. What did you see from them? Because the first half was ugly for both sides, but on the second half, Marcus Mariota opened it up against the Jaguars, and defensively they did not look like the same team. No, and and I think what Tennessee did and what what really uh, has caused me to rethink what I think about Jacksonville, in week one they did exactly what they wanted to. Run the football with Fournette, don't depend on Bortles, play really good opportunistic defense and attack. You know, and it worked well for them in their opener. In this game, what Tennessee did, they loaded the box versus Fournette. They dared Blake Bortles to beat him, and he showed that he couldn't do it. And I think what's scary now for Jacksonville is this is a game plan that they're going to see week in and week out. You know, we're going to ask your quarterback to beat us with one-on-one matchups outside, but we're not going to let Fournette control the clock. And, and Jacksonville right now, uh, has, especially without Robinson, they have no chance to get that done when, expo- when they have to expose their quarterback. And on defense, 
the unit that I saw and liked so much in week one, they gave up 179 yards on the ground uh, to Tennessee. So maybe they're not quite as good as, as we thought we are. I do know, I, I think I know, that this is a team that's not good enough to play a sloppy game and, and win in the, in, with, with the talent that they have. They're going to have to be really smart, and they're going to have to get something out of Bortles, and I'm not sure that they can do it uh, because their margin for error is, is really, really small. And so I think after week two, it's, you maybe want to put the brakes on Jacksonville until you see some more because the way that, that Tennessee played for net I think is really scary if I'm Jacksonville. Yeah, and they got to play mistake-free football, like you said, and that's something that the next team we're going to talk about has mastered, and that's an Andy Reid team. Are the Chiefs the best team in the NFL? Because it looks like Kareem Hunt, this kid, the rookie, two weeks in a row, he breaks off for a 52-yarder yesterday, and I'm watching it going fantasy points. He is fantastic. He looks like he's going to be a real deal for this team, and and Alex Smith in this defense, you saw that defense disrupt Carson Wentz in moments. So the question is, are they the best team in the NFL? Well, I think right now you have to consider that them as one of the best two or three. Uh, I'm not sure they're a team that would be very easy to beat right now because they're so true to their philosophy. You know, again, not overly exciting, but, the, you know, a really nice run game with one direct – one cut and miss, misdirection with Hunt. They love the screen. Alex Smith is making more plays than I can remember he has in a long time. How about no interceptions and 113.8 quarterback rating? And Hunt gives them, I think, the missing link that I didn't think they had at the beginning of the season. But where I really like them is on defense. I was a really afraid, Paige, that they were going to be in big trouble without Eric Berry. But the two guys last week that are, that are they're using in tandem to replace them, Daniel Sorensen and Eric Murray, they were their two leading tacklers. So obviously it's a hole that they've filled. They're, they're going to miss Berry's ability to make big plays and his leadership, but it has to make them feel really good that these two young guys stepped in and, and did a nice job. Six sacks, ten tackles for loss, ten quarterback hits. They always find the right matchups on defense. This is exactly how they play. They believe in their philosophy. They turn the ball over. They get it back to their offense. And they're showing more big playability than we've seen in the past. So I just, they're a team, they're not going to beat themselves. So you're going to have to take it to them. And I don't know of anybody right now that can do that. No, I would 100% agree with you. I think the biggest thing for Chiefs fans is to just look at that and go, it's if they can play mistake-free football like Alex Smith has been and they have this new rookie who is their new fun toy to play with and Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey does Travis Kelsey things, offensively they're a lot more of a firepower than we thought they were and defensively they showed us that they can outlast with without Eric Berry. So that's a good sign for Chiefs. Oh, and, and, and one other thing, Paige, you have to love the creativity mm-hmm. of their offense. How many times had they used that shovel pass to Travis Kelsey inside? I mean, Andy Reid is really pulling out some gadget plays that keeps the opposing defense off balance. And I think that's always 
also something that's very interesting and you have to at least think about it as you prepare for them each week. Absolutely, absolutely. But we will take a quick break, and we'll come back with the last five observations from week two. Okay, hang on. All right, welcome back into the Scout and the Sports page. You can, uh, you've listened to the first five observations. Now we got the last five from week two. This one's my favorite because... Everybody overreacts to Tom Brady having a poor game, and there was a statistic that I loved uh, in fantasy, and that was Tom Brady, after a game throwing zero touchdowns, he has not done another game. He has not gone back-to-back games with no, without throwing a touchdown since 2006. To put that in perspective, Gary, I was a sophomore in high school in 2006. Wow. So it's been a long, it's been where a long you, time. Where did you find that stat? I, uh, I found that on Next Gen Stats. So it's, uh, it's pretty incredible that, that you should know that when Tom Brady has a bad game, the next game's not going to be a bad game because the numbers don't lie, and they sure did not lie. Uh, Tom Brady had a Tom Brady game. Oh, there, there's no question, and... He looked as good in the first half as I've seen him in a long time. He was calm in the pocket. His footwork was good. Uh, It it looks like he's reestablishing the slot receiver position, maybe with Hogan, which you and I have talked about in the past, that obviously they miss Edelman and, and Amendola. But he also made some nice deep throws with tremendous touch. But I'll tell you what, 447 passing yards, no interceptions. That's pretty good. But Paige, the thing I love when I watch the film is how he used his eyes versus the New Orleans defenders. He is a master at the line of scrimmage of looking off a play. He'll look in a direction. The defender will think that's where he's going. He'll break on the ball, and then Brady will come back and throw it to the other side and the hole vacated by the defender. Breeze does this very well. But Brady might be the best that we've seen in a long time at using his eyes to put defenders into places, you know, where he wants wants them to go. I I love the offense. I think the defense is still a work in progress. The only thing I worry offensively is their health. They were really thin at the end of this game. We don't know about Gronkowski. And, And we know that Tom Brady loves to run those spread sets and sometimes even go to empty. And I'm just not sure he has enough bodies to run the offense that he that he wants to run. But as usual, they'll figure it out and somebody else will step up. Yeah, they'll get some guy we've never heard of to catch passes because that's what the Patriots do. But Tom Brady looked like Tom Brady, and it was, uh, it was a masterful performance. Now, ugly football. One of the football teams that played ugly. Uh, let's talk about two teams, three teams actually, in this division in the NFC West. The Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals and the, and the Seahawks get their win. It was not pretty, though, for either of those teams. So let's talk about ugly football because there was plenty of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you already said Carolina-Buffalo. You know, as is, is bad as Buffalo is, they had a chance to win that game at the end. San Francisco had every chance in the world to upset Seattle. Indianapolis, same thing with Arizona. Uh, I mean, it's it's amazing to be Cincinnati, Houston, and and when you look at it, there were some common themes, that, you know, that you hate to see, Paige. But 
No chemistry in the passing game. A bunch of drop passes. Uneven quarterback play. Uh, you know, on defense, so many mental and physical breakdowns. And all of these teams could not make big stops when they needed to. And what we said at the beginning of our podcast is good teams are underachieving, and that allows lousy teams to stay in a game and maybe steal a win. Uh, you know, and, and uh, we've got to see these elite teams or teams that we think are elite start playing like it. Because right now, you know, it's giving bad teams probably more hope than they deserve. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of those teams, obviously, the Arizona Cardinals, an ugly victory. They brought in their kicker to make kicks. He misses a kick after he was iced, but then makes one to win that game. At the end of the day, you move on, you win the football game. But, man, it was not pretty for the NFC West yesterday. Now, a team that we both liked but had some question marks about their defense. They've played pretty well. They did have some miscues there a couple of times I saw against the New York Jets. But overall, Michael Crabtree, Derek Carr, and the Oakland Raiders looked pretty damn good yesterday. Oh, they, they were – the the thing that I that really kind of hit me on on uh, on their win yesterday was their big plays were from guys that aren't household names, not their primary guys. You know, Cordell Patterson, Jalen Richard. You know, both had long touchdown runs. Michael Crabtree, who is not thought of as their number one guy, all of a sudden he has three touchdown receptions. So it starts to show you the depth of this offense and where Carr is willing to go, you know, to get big plays. Uh, I just really, you know, I love the way they're spreading the ball around. And their offensive line, Paige, you know, the Jets, the strength of their defense is their defensive front. They had no chance against Oakland's offensive line. They really, really pushed them around. And even though we didn't have a huge day, Marshawn Lynch, I think, is going to be really, really effective in this offense. When they play elite teams and they're dealing with a fourth-quarter lead and they can hand the ball to Lynch and run out the clock and control the game late, I think that's going to be a lot of who they're going to be down the stretch and, and I really like where they're at offensively. Yeah, as do I. A lot to like there. A team that there's not a lot to like about after a, a horrible, horrible showing in the afternoon game yesterday is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott did win his second legal battle today with Texas Court. They denied the NFL's motion, so he'll continue to play until his next court ruling. So it does seem like he's going to be able to continue playing, similar to what happened with Tom Brady when it got into the court mess he might end up serving the suspension next year. But I think what happened here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I watched this game. The Denver defense figured out what to do here. They loaded the box. They stopped the run. Ezekiel Elliott was not a factor at all. And Dak Prescott, they forced this second-year quarterback to be in an uncomfortable position. He was in third and longs a lot of the time, and he was not able to make those passes down the field, and they forced the Dallas Cowboys to not have their offensive identity, and it was it was a masterful defensive performance. It was, and Denver is able to play that way on defense because they're so good with their defensive backs. They can play nickel and dime schemes. They can play man-to-man without help, and that allows them to load the box and stop the run. 
And I think we talked about four nets at Jacksonville. I think defenses are going to look at this game and say, hey, this is how you stop the Dallas Cowboys. You know, you'd load that box. You don't let their offensive line get a push. Now, I know they were playing from behind early, but, you know, 50 passes, only 14 runs. That's not the way Dallas wins football games. And, and I will say this, Paige, I didn't like what I saw from Ezekiel Elliott off the field. There were some subtle things uh, on the interception, the big interception. He stood around and watched. He made no effort. Everybody's shown it on TV this morning. But, you know, his character things that were issues coming into this season, I thought I saw yesterday a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, of an attitude that would bother me. I don't think he played really hard. I'm not saying he gave up, but uh, there's just something gnawing at me that says this offense for Dallas may be in a little more trouble than we think. And if they have to ask Dak Prescott to carry him, I'm not sure he can do it. I love his leadership, and I love the fact that he's getting the ball to Jason Witten. But I just their, their defense, as we know, is not elite. So they have to be able to run the football and control the clock to have a chance to win. Yeah. And, and uh, I might be overreacting. You always talk about overreacting Mondays. But there was just something that really bothered me about him and the way he carried himself yesterday. No, no the reason I don't think it's an overreaction, I think it's more of a personnel thing. Uh, teams that have the personnel to do what Denver did yesterday are going to be a problem for the Cowboys because they can line up a keep to leave and Chris Harris on the side, man-on-man, and load the box. And Ezekiel was not a factor. And like you brought up, those character issues, I've been waiting for the character issues off the field to influence the on-the-field product. And it's really easy when you have the best offensive line in the world opening up huge gaps and you're getting tons of yards. It's real easy when things are when, when things are easy. You know, it's easy to be happy and everybody likes you when, when things are going well. But we're going to learn a lot about not only Ezekiel Elliott, but I think Dak Prescott because I don't know that Prescott is a good enough quarterback to make the plays that he has to if Ezekiel Elliott is not relevant. So we're going to find out a lot about Dallas because the Denver yeah. Broncos exposed this team on, on primetime. And I will add one thing, Paige. I, I looked up the, the, the rest of their uh, uh, schedule, and with the exception of a game versus Green Bay, between now and Halloween, every game for them is winnable. So they need to go on a run because the, late in the season, it gets a lot, lot tougher for them. They play much tougher opposition. So if they're going to be the team that we think they are and that they want to be, they're going to have to go on a run and really roll up some nice wins between now and Halloween because uh, they can't expect to be as successful late in the season. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. I'm kind of kind of leaning towards that it's not going to happen after what I saw yesterday and the attitude issues I think Ezekiel Elliott has. But the last observation here uh, is putting to rest, I think, after a poor week one for for performance when they got a victory, they come out on Sunday Night Football and have a very, very good performance, a very MVP Matt Ryan-like performance offensively. And the Atlanta Falcons potentially, and I know this is what your observation is, what Atlanta Super Bowl hangover? Because they sure didn't have one yesterday. Yeah, and it's a a shame, uh, you know, that Green Bay didn't have all of their weapons available. Jordy Nelson, their offensive line is a mess right now. 
because it would have been uh, probably a more exciting contest. But I will say this, that, you know, the play calling that everybody worried about in week one was great by Steve Sarkeesian in week two. As you said, Ryan looked like his old self. Uh, they have so many weapons. They can come at you with their two-back sets. They can spread the field. Uh, they, they dictate matchups. Offensively, they can give you any look that they want to. But I think what I was really impressed about, Paige, was their defense. They're young and improving. They appear to be better every week. They're aggressive. And now they have a tremendous home field advantage, I think, that's going to serve them well. So I love this young defense, and, and their ability to play fast is something that I think is going to really be with them for the rest of the season. And if this defense catch us, catches up to their offense, this is going to be a hard team to deal with. Yeah, they are going to miss Vic Beasley for a few weeks or about a month. I saw this morning that he is going to be out. But yeah. I think overall this team has the has the pieces. And the NFC right now looks very beatable, very open, very <laughs> – nobody looks very, very good in the NFC right now. The Seahawks, a team that a lot of people were talking about in the preseason, struggled to win a home game against the San Francisco 49ers. Green Bay obviously lost last night. The Cardinals have struggled thus far. It just looks like a very winnable conference right now, and that's that's good for, for Matt Ryan if they're trying to get back not only to the NFC Championship game but ultimately win the Super Bowl. Now, I want to give you my three overreactions of the weekend, and I want you to quickly just 30 seconds on your on your feeling to this. So the first overreaction, I think, is that Trevor Simeon is Peyton Manning-like. Uh, he was yelling out Omaha – which doesn't mean that he's Peyton Manning, okay? I think Trevor Simeon did a lot of great things yesterday, but that defense obviously made a lot of plays. So that is the overreaction. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think he is so much better than I thought he was going to be. You know, I use the term game manager. He's more than that. I think he has a tremendous handle on this offense. I love his ability. I think he's reading defenses. He's making good decisions. He's finding the right matchups. And he just really, to me, looks calm out there. I have a feeling that this team and this offense and this locker room really believes that he's the guy, that he's totally in charge, and I think that's going to bowl well for him. Uh, you know, he's not Peyton Manning, but I think he's, his production is so much better than they thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'm in wait-and-see mode until he has to play the Chiefs defense or the Raiders defense or something like that. I think he obviously he had a pretty good game. He had two pretty good games. He's looked, he's looked good. Now, is he going to be good enough for this team to win in the toughest division in the NFL? I don't know because the Oakland Raiders well, look pretty and, good and the Chiefs and look pretty good. Game, he had a run game yesterday that really helped him because yep. when you have a run game and we didn't see it as much on week one, that also opens up play action. For sure. And those are all things that are really positive. Okay, the next overreaction of the weekend is that Jay Cutler is a good quarterback. Uh, I saw him. Here's the thing about Jay Cutler, and I can say this with all confidence. He is like being on a roller coaster. He has amazing, incredible moments that you fall in love with his arm because he does have a great arm. I could think of a, a moment yesterday where he rolled out of the pocket and made a, made, a run on the thro- or made a throw on the run for about 25 yards and a touchdown, and he looked really good. Then he'll turn around and throw an interception. So, that is my second overreaction. I think it's the biggest overreaction of the weekend. Well, I, I think that he has a chance to get better each week in this offense. 
But I think we're going to see the same Jay Cutler we've always seen. You just said it. One one play, he's going to look great and dazzle us and make a throw that few quarterbacks can't. And then he's going to throw into triple coverage, and we're going to say, what in the world you know, did he see? Their success is going to be how their run game goes. If their run game can dominate and not force him to win every game or have to win with his arm, I think that bodes well for him. He has weapons, Paige, in Miami that he didn't have in Chicago. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm not ready to – you know, to say that he's going to be a bust there, but I think he'll get better each week. But I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy that a lot of people hope he can become, even though he knows this offense. He's going to be Jay Cutler for as long as he plays. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's Jay Cutler. That's what people, I, that's all I can say. He's, he's going to do as well as he can because he's in an Adam Gase offense, but the reality is he's still Jay Cutler and he's still going to make, like you said, throwing a triple coverage. And you're going to be throwing your television remote and freaking out like I was when he was playing for the Bears. He has an incredible he has an incredible arm that people fall in love with, but he also has something going on between his ears that drives people absolutely insane. So the last the last overreaction of the weekend is seems to happen every year with Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay teams, and that is the Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are not a contender in the NFC without Jordy Nelson. What are your thoughts on that? I think that is absolutely accurate because I think that the only guy that Rodgers really, really depends on is Jordy Nelson. You know, that the back shoulder throw chemistry that they have is the best in the NFL. He depends on Nelson for his big plays. And when Nelson's not in the lineup, I think it's a passing game that's easier to defend. Uh, I think the other thing, obviously, for Aaron Rodgers, his offensive line, pass pro is a must because he's a guy that rolls around to extend plays. That forces the offensive line uh, to hold their blocks longer. And he also has a group of receivers, with the exception of Jordy Nelson, that don't separate very well. So that forces him to hold on to the ball until they get open. And the offensive line we saw last night, had no chance to pass block for him, and it forced him to emphasize too much. So they're not going to be a great team until they get their offensive line healthy and they get Nelson back, in my opinion. Okay, I love that. I love. Uh, I hope that Green Bay is uh, is you're you're stirring the pot this morning on uh, on the NFL, and I love it. So that'll that's sure that's sure to get the Green Bay fans all riled up because you know that's that's all they got going on in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Really, that's all they got going on in the state of Wisconsin. So you know, <laughs> you know that. You, uh, no comment there. I have friends <laughs> in Wisconsin. Oh, so do I. That's why I say it. I got to dig my friends. So, <laughs> oh, okay. but uh, Gary, thank you for joining me today. As always, you can find Gary's ten observations on fan sports.com and all of his other analysis as the week goes on he's given us great stuff and it's awesome that we have this coverage you can follow him on twitter at gary horton nfl you can follow me at the underscore sports page and you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes if you look up the scout and the sports page but for gary horton i'm Paige demacos thanks for joining us with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.